people achieve their physical ambitions faster than they've ever experienced before. I believe in training smarter and not harder, and therefore I'm here to chat with you about methods, scientific-based techniques that can help you in your training and in your daily life. I've been teaching Pilates in the last decade, and I'm most likely going to be the first person who's going to know things like a woman getting pregnant, maybe problems with their sex life, um, miscarriages, unfortunately, as well. People really share with me all their concerns and their worries that they might not share with anybody else. Women who struggle to control their urine, so an incontinence, as well as uh, passing winds when they're training or taking the legs over the head. So there's many issues that trouble so many women and men, you might be surprised, that they wouldn't share with anybody else. They wouldn't talk about that. And that by itself creates a lot of issues around the solutions because then there's no knowledge, there's no sharing. And I want to talk about how you can address any concerns like that in your training. Firstly, I'd just like to say, if you are concerned and you haven't been checked at all by a physiotherapist who specialize in women's health, I do advise you to go. This is a checkup that probably should be offered to any woman who gives birth uh, and possibly even much earlier in life. However, as we don't have it in the UK and many other countries in the world, I do recommend investing, if you can, the time and the money to go and have a checkup. You will learn so much about your body and you're most likely going to be able to address your issues as well as prevent any future issues. I get asked very often whether this is something we can fix, whether we can improve our pelvic floor health, whether we can improve our tummy look, our muscle separation and how to do that. So in general, yes, you can and should be able to help yourself with appropriate training however there are some extreme cases where you won't be able to however the benefits of training are so massive so if you are conscious of what you're doing and you if you have the right knowledge the right trainer the worst thing that can happen is that you will just get toned and stronger and more flexible and you might still need to do some kind of a medical intervention at the end. But that's very rare. In most cases, you can help yourself and that's why I believe it's worth listening to what I have to say today and it's worth trying it. So that's, what's the, that's the most important thing is that you actually try it and then you get the benefit out of it. So I've been training many people um, and I see uh, women and men from you know different ages, different backgrounds. And I can definitely say that I've uh, been very fortunate to, to help those people really change their lives. So when I say change their lives, I don't think I'm exaggerating. For example, I had a student who was in her 30s and she wouldn't dare to leave her house after having a baby for almost a year because she was so embarrassed and she was so worried what would happen if she leaks and she's in front of other people. Another woman that uh, comes to my mind now that was very embarrassed from her, you know, her pregnant tummy look. She kept, she was, she, she kept getting questions about whether she's pregnant many years after having her second baby and she wasn't planning anymore. I'm also asked whether this is too late. <laughs> no, it's not. 
All right. So even if you haven't treated your issues uh, earlier on in life and you just think about yourself only when you're at your 60s or your 70s, that's, it's not too late. You can still address your issues. You can still get stronger. You can get, get more flexible. You can definitely help yourself. So there's really no reason why not to give it a go. So what's very clear is that Pilates is a different approach to training, to how you train your body. So what components in our Pilates training do we need to include in order to improve our health of our core system? I'm going to give you most of those today um, and hopefully you'll get some really helpful tips and how you can improve your already existing training and maybe make you curious about exploring Pilates if you haven't tried this before and why it can help you. But let's talk first about the three most common misconceptions with regards to pelvic floor health and how to train your pelvic floor. So the first one is that most people are not aware. They're not really aware of where the pelvic floor is. They don't really know how to activate that. I often ask my students when they first come to, to see me or maybe when I train them in my programs, do you know how to activate your pelvic floor? And when I ask them to do that, sometimes they squeeze their glutes or they rock their pelvis back. Um, and then I, I talk to them about that and I, and I make them understand that if they were to, to do uh, pelvic floor uh, contraction or engagement, correctly, I wouldn't be able to see that. I wouldn't be able to see any changes in the body on the outside. It's something completely internal. And I will talk, I'll give you some tips on how to do that at the end of our chat today. The second thing that uh, I find people think the core system is just another muscle that they need to train and they should be training it as they train any other muscle in their body. However, the core system function and so that its training is very, very different. If we're very used to training our legs or maybe our arm muscles, and those muscles are there to help us move our bones, reach, push, pull, lift, all those actions that we do with our arms and our legs. And the further we go, the more load we put on those muscles, the stronger they will become. The core system, because of its function, we need to train it very, very differently. I want you to think about your pelvic floor as a trampoline. So if you think about the last time that you were on a trampoline, maybe that was a while ago, but just imagine your feet pressing the trampoline down in order for you to be able to jump up. So the pelvic floor really acts as a trampoline. The trampoline will be effective in pushing you and helping you jump up if it has not only strength, but also flexibility. So think about a trampoline that has become very stiff, very hard, very strong. You most likely wouldn't be able to jump on it. Also, maybe imagine a trampoline that has become very weak, very soft. Again, it wouldn't create that bounciness. You wouldn't be able to jump on that trampoline as well. So we need to have very intuitively some kind of a balance between strength and flexibility. 
The other thing that people get wrong is that they think the pelvic floor, if they do know how to activate that, the pelvic floor, they think the pelvic floor needs to be always up. It needs to be pulled up and it shouldn't be pushed down. They're afraid to push the, trump, the, push the pelvic floor down. But if you could really hear my mistake, I almost called it the trampoline. So <laughs> think about the trampoline. It has to be pushed down in order to spring back up. And that's the way the pelvic floor as well is behaving. As a matter of fact, with every inhalation, every time you take a breath in, you are pushing your diaphragm down. So that's the muscle that sits at the, at the bottom of your ribs. And as a result, correspondingly, your pelvic floor is being pushed down as well. So your pelvic floor is pushed down and should be pushed down uh, involuntarily every time you breathe. The other thing that um, people get wrong with pelvic floor is that they think that's something we should do voluntarily. We should be squeezing the pelvic floor and lifting it up. And that's probably coming from the training that most of us know with regards to pelvic floor, which is Kegel exercises, where we are training our muscles voluntarily. We're lifting them up and up and up. And that's a good training on its own. Uh, I'm not saying it's not, especially in the beginning, if we, win, we need to kind of connect with those muscles and we need to understand where they are and we need to start getting some initial strength in those muscles. That's a, a great way to do so. However, we need to understand that the pelvic floor muscles are really there to help us get into get some kind of abdominal pressure. It's an, called an IAP, the internal abdominal pressure, in order to perform other movements in our daily lives. So if let's say you want to push a trolley in the supermarket, or you just pick up a shopping bag from the floor, any task that you do, the pelvic floor would need to prepare before you do it. It comes, it should come before you do any arm or leg movement. There should be some kind of a internal pressure in your tummy to create stability around your center for you to be able to push, to pull, to lift and everything else that you want to do. How does it do that? It does it very involuntarily, subconsciously. You don't really think about it. It just happens, right? So if you think about um, your breathing, so as we said, the pelvic floor moves down and bounces back up every time we breathe. We don't really think about that. If you think about you needing to push a door, you need to create the force in order to do so. Your tummy has to prepare itself very, very shortly before. We're talking about 30 milliseconds. That's very short. So what is 30 milliseconds? If you think about you blinking your eyes, it will take about 100 to 400 milliseconds. So 30 milliseconds, it's short. You and me in our daily lives, our pelvic floor will function subconsciously, involuntarily, without us telling it to do it. You can think about this as a, a little baby. When the little baby starts to cruise around the furniture and maybe even take their first step, they just do it. <laughs> they don't tell themselves, 
oh, I need to step my foot forward, I need to transfer my weight, I need to hold my tummy in. And we as parents don't do that too. We don't tell them what to do. They just try again and again and again. And what happens when they try, their brain learns how to do it just by repeating the movement. Okay, so the nervous system learns how much pressure needs to be applied in the muscles, how the orchestra of all of those muscles need to work together by repeating itself, by falling on their nappy, not being able to hold or take a step, and then the body learns, adjust and adjust until it becomes spontaneous and they don't think about it anymore. Okay, so this is how we as humans learn to move. So if we have any kind of dysfunction in the pelvic floor, we need to reinstate that uh, ability of being able to move spontaneously and for our pelvic floor to be responding as it should, okay? So let's just summarize. So our goal with our pelvic floor health is that it should be going down and bounce back up, right? It should work involuntarily, very spontaneously at the right time. So how can we train our pelvic floor? So let's be a little bit more practical now and we're going to talk about five things that you can implement in your training and improve your pelvic floor health while you're doing your already established training routine or perhaps you want to consider doing some Pilates. In any case, I'm going to talk about awareness and how you can identify where your pelvic floor is situated in your body and how to activate it. I'm going to talk about breath and upper body mobility and how that can affect your pelvic floor. You might be surprised about that one. We're going to talk about squatting and doing lots of exercises you might not even be thinking about that can be much more beneficial than your Kegels. We're going to talk about posture. And lastly, we're going to talk about how we can move in a way that encourages our pelvic floor to trigger spontaneously not really gripping into our muscles and creating tension in the pelvic floor. Pelvic floor can be also hypertensed, not only weak. The first thing that I want you to make sure that you tick the box and you are aware where your pelvic floor is. When you sit down, maybe now when you listen to me, just rock yourself side to side and feel where your sitting bones are. And then rock yourself forward and back and feel where your tailbone is and where your pubic bone is. And then think about those four points. So those two points at the sides and one at the front, one at the back. You have this kind of diamond shape from those four points at the bottom of your pelvis. This is your pelvic floor. So you have fibers running horizontally between those sitting bones and you have fibers run, running vertically between your pubic bone and your tailbone all right so when you activate your pelvic floor you could either think about your sitting bones coming closer together so take a deep breath in and as you breathe out think about those sitting bones coming closer together obviously there are bones you will not be able to move them but you want to imagine that because that will trigger your internal muscles your pelvic floor and then release. The other one that you can try is thinking about your tailbone coming closer to your pubic bone. And I'm not talking about rocking your pelvis, just thinking about the bones coming closer together. So take a deep breath in. And as you breathe out, think about your tailbone 
coming closer, threading between your legs towards your pubic bone. It's like you want to hold, sorry, a poo. <laughs> and then release. Okay, and then you can start thinking about doing both together, but that's a little bit more advanced. Okay, make sure you're not squeezing your buttocks, that you're not tilting your pelvis. It's all internal. And if you can't do one of them, or maybe you can't do both of them, don't worry, just practice it and take your time. If you are doing it and you're not sure if you're lifting or you're pushing down, one of the things you can do very easily is just put your finger on your tailbone when you're sitting. Take a deep breath in, and as you breathe out, try to connect and lift the pelvic floor up. You can imagine like a blueberry coming into the inside of you and you're kind of lifting, your, lifting the blueberry up towards your belly button. As you do this, notice whether your tailbone is slightly, slightly moving underneath your finger. And if it's tucking underneath towards your legs, so in between your legs, so it's tucking under, you probably are lifting your pelvic floor and not pushing it down. And again, I'm not saying pushing down is a bad thing. We already know it should be pushed down with every inhalation, but we just want to make sure that the pelvic floor is responding as expected. If you are a guy and you're not sure about how to lift your pelvic floor, I would think about you coming into cold water and the water is slightly coming up towards your growing and you feel that your testicles are lifting up without you using your hands. So I'm sure if you're a guy, you understood what I just said. The second thing that you could do in your training is to include squats. Squatting is an amazing exercise because it's so functional. You do it all day, every day, right? You squat, you sit down, you stand up, and it really challenges your pelvic floor in a functional way. So anything, uh, you can start with squatting, you know, just normal squats. Anything else that really challenges your balance, it could be single leg squats, it can be lunges, it can be Pilates exercises on the mat that challenges your ability to balance and hold your legs in the air while you're sitting up. Uh, anything which is low load, not high load, low load, can really trigger those core muscles. They don't really like heavy load. If you start using heavy load, what happens is that your body recruits the big muscles. It recruits the mobilizer, the global muscles, we call them, the legs, the, the external layers of your tummy. If you want to really go deep and train your pelvic floor, your deep abdominal muscles that flattens your tummy, you need to use low load. How nice, right? You don't need to use heavy load. Um, but it can be free weights that can really challenge your balance rather than using machines, right? Because you need to keep, go, keep coming back to the center. It can be a TRX. It can be stepping on a box. The third thing that I want to talk about is your mobility around your upper back. Okay, so that's something you might not think about when you just do gym training. But most of us have very sedentary lifestyle. We sit at our desk and we stiffness uh, around our shoulders around our upper back uh, there's a lot of tension around that area or we're not aware of our breathing so holding the breath can, creates a lot of stiffness around that area just think about the diaphragm that kind of sits at the bottom of your rib cage there is a very close very intimate relationship between your diaphragm and your pelvic floor if you become a better breather 
most likely your pelvic floor will improve as well. Every time the diaphragm presses down, the pelvic floor presses down. Every time the diaphragm bounces up, the pelvic floor bounces up. So another way to approach pelvic floor health is to address your, bre your breathing, is to make sure you know how to breathe, that you utilize the full capacity of your lungs, that you don't only breathe into the front aspects of the ribs, you do a very shallow breath, that you know that you can open your ribcage to the sides and to the back and you work your ribcage three-dimensionally and that you also improve the mobility of your ribs. So that could be just sitting in your desk and rotating back, looking back, utilizing the back of your seat to hold it and allow your, your upper back to rotate backwards on both sides, of course. It can be any exercises we do in Pilates, such as the cat stretch, where you kind of curb your back and you arch your back and many more other exercises. The fourth thing, is posture. Posture alignment is a massive thing. Most of us, unless we are trained in Pilates or any kind of mindful exercise, don't have a good posture. <laughs> That's the truth. I mean, 99% of the people I see in my studio would have a forward head. So if they have a forward head, that means that every centimeter when they push their chin forward in front of their shoulders, they would load about four kilos on their neck. And if their head is forward, most likely their shoulders are rounded. And if their shoulders are rounded, most likely they would arch the lower back or lean with their ribs backwards. So either they have their ribs popping forwards or their ribs are back. So they're behind their pelvis. Alignment is key because if your ribs are not in a good placement and you're not able to utilize your breath, as we discussed before, to the full extent, you're affecting the health of your pelvic floor. There's a lot to talk about posture. If I can give you one tip is not to rush into an exercise. It's worthwhile taking your time, pausing for a second, thinking about your alignment. How are you lying down on the floor? How are you standing up? Where's your ribs in relationship to your, your pelvis? Are you arching your back? Are you leaning with your shoulders backwards? And if you're very confused about how to correct your posture, you haven't been trained in Pilates yet, there's one thing you can think about, is just getting longer and taller. If you think about pressing the feet into the floor and lengthening the crown of the head further away from your feet, just by creating a little bit more space in your body, most likely your body will be aligned much, much better. Invest your time in your starting position of every exercise. The last thing that people uh, can do in their training in order, to improve, in order to improve their pelvic floor health is to relax. <laughs> um, it's quite funny because I see people who have no body awareness at all and then I kind of need to get them into connecting to their body, understanding how they move. And I see people who are really obsessed about body awareness and to the extent they are, are afraid to move. All right. So both extremes are not helpful. We need to adopt a more relaxed approach. So yes, invest in your, in your body awareness, invest in your training, understand how to move correctly and safely so you become effective in your training. But I always say that to myself, at some point, you need to chill. 
okay you need to relax a little bit so if you for example if you do an exercise um, sitting on the floor and you want to roll back to a, to a lying down position and then you want to come back up and you want to work like one segment of the spine at a time when you roll down so you just kind of tuck the tailbone and then you roll your tailbone first your lower back your middle back all the way to lying down and then you go up again head shoulders upper back middle back lower back all the way back to sit people might feel okay i need to do it one vertebra at a time and instead of doing it fluid in in a, in a fluid way they start to really grip into the muscles and they become very rigid in the training and I want you to remember that's not the goal okay the goal at the end is that we move spontaneously and naturally with happiness and zest right so what you could do once you kind of master that and you understand that how to move your tailbone and tuck it underneath and then you so you can actually move your lower back and you get the technique then you need to start chilling a bit so one of the things you could do is just don't think about it too much maybe you want to sing a song <laughs> when nobody hears you especially if you do an online class that's very beneficial you can just you know, obviously mute yourself nobody can hear you nobody looks at you and you can just sing a b c d e f g or whatever song you like and focus on your voice and that will get you a little bit out of your head and into your body you can enjoy movement and your pelvic floor will respond better it wouldn't get so tensed up because of your movement and that's it for today we talked about awareness and where the pelvic floor is situated in our body and how to activate it well we talked about breathing and how improving our breath and improving our mobility around our upper back can really make an impact on our pelvic floor. So exercises shouldn't be necessarily related to our pelvic floor and Kegel exercises. We also spoke about complex functional movements such as squatting, balance exercises, low load exercises can really improve the pelvic floor health as well as posture and alignment and thinking about alignment before we start an exercise. We lastly spoken about how we can do the exercise more spontaneously, more effectively, without thinking about contracting our muscles voluntarily, but rather let our body move as we think about the shapes that we create in this space. So I hope that inspired you, that there are many exercises, many options for you to explore. I hope I got you inspired to check yourself if you experience any kind of symptoms. And really remember that movement is happiness. Movement is the prerequisite for happiness. And we want to establish a healthy, effective and safe movement pattern that can make us feel alive, feel empowered in our body and that we can move spontaneously and naturally in our daily lives and enjoy it. Keep training intelligently and I'll see you soon.